Culture Wars, Real Wars, Cancelled, Alienated, and Lonely. We blame politicians, technology, and past generations for our ills, but what can really help us love and relate in a polarized world? Journey with Mike Sullivan, traversing multiple cultures while confronting the demons of financial ruin, illicit sex, and other shadows of his past. Amidst the tumult, he unearths a beautiful mosaic of human connections, each encounter shaping his journey toward redemption and self-awareness. His narrative underscores the transformative potential of embracing others, offering a beacon of hope to anyone seeking renewal in a bitterly fragmented world. Today's episode is sponsored by my book, Building Bridges, Can We Love and Relate in a Polarized World? That is a fresh copy, newly minted. If you are interested, please visit my website, www.sullyworks.com, and the link is in the show notes, of course, and thank you for your support. Are you living or coming from a multicultural or cross-cultural journey in this life? Have you lived abroad for an extended amount of time? Have you married into another culture or are a product of a bicultural relationship? Hello, I'm Mike Sullivan and this is my TCK podcast where we answer ridiculous questions like, where are you from? In today's episode, I get coached by Doreen Cumberford, certified coach, author of two books, Arriving Well and Life in the Camel Lane. Having recently retired and rewired to Mexico, she is the founder of Nomadic Diaries, a podcast. She has been a corporate climber, entrepreneur, diplomat, and accompanying spouse across eight different countries over the last four decades. She sets me straight on all things repatriation today, as I admit my loathing and concern about the possibility of returning to my passport country, the United States. Fantastic. So where are you guys headed? You said you were headed out after this? Oh, yeah, we're headed out to, we live near a city called Carretero. Uh-huh. And... Um, we're headed over to Corredoro today because that's where I buy my coffee. <laughs> that's very important to me. My coffee is a big, it's, it's a big thing. It, coffee is important to me. <laughs> and so I have to go there. It's the only place I can get coffee other than get it delivered. Um, and the, it's not, I have not converted all of my online existence to Mexico and Mexican uh, connections. So it's much easier to drive over there than to try to wrangle the internet. And it's a, it's an outing and it's Christmas and it's, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. So it's a, it's a very secular, modern, contemporary city that very few Americans even know about exists in, in the country called Mexico because Mexico is zooming past us in terms of technology and manufacturing mm. interesting 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, interesting how we see that in the part of the world that we're in, like the yeah corner of the world that we're in. And when we try to explain it to Americans who are back home, they often, they don't, they don't believe us. <laughs> well, there's no relatability factor. They can't, mm. they, they're not programmed, trained, educated, or uh, they don't have an installation in their brain about the uh, sophistication and the complexity of outside America. That's what I find with most Americans mm. is we just don't have that level of complexity and our understanding or many don't have the education or the interest. And it's because they're very interested in our very comfortable lives in America, right. in our very privileged lives. Right. And so there's really not the, why would they care? Right. I think I really saw this during COVID-19 the most because I was in South Korea uh -huh. And there was a, a lot of broad assumptions that the United States would somehow magically know more about COVID-19 or be able to handle this in some way better than South Korea. But yes. there, there, when I was talking about cases in Singapore, for instance, I would tell people in America, I said, do you know they only have two cases in Singapore and no one has died yet? And Americans yeah. just said, well, they must be hiding something. They couldn't possibly... That be can't that be good. true. That can't be true. And I thought, yeah, but and and I lived in Singapore. I lived in Singapore. I, of course, I was in Korea. Uh -huh. I lived in Singapore for for three years of my life. And I said, you know, no, you don't understand. Singapore is is a paradise compared to almost anywhere I know in the United States of America. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so I yeah. thought, just experience their airport for five minutes, and you'll be like, huh. There's yes. civilization outside our country. Exactly. <laughs> yes. And there's and the thing about Singapore that always really strike struck me and I haven't been there. I bought my engagement ring there. Um mm. you know, this is oh, like so, thirty Oh, same same with me. Same with us. Really? Yeah. 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 Well, I had this common. made in Singapore, and it's been replaced once because some diamonds fell out after thirty five years. But uh -huh. you know, uh, that's fine. 35 years is a very good run in life. And um, I, I, I loved Singapore. I used to, we used to, I used to dot in and out of there when I was first in the Middle East. And then I haven't been back for oh, 25 years, which is 20. shocking. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That is, that is quite a bit of time. <laughs> I was there a year and a half ago. Uh huh. <laughs> so my, friend's father is a gambler and so he had complimentary rooms at the marina bay sands so i got to stay there for free for two nights nice yeah, have that, fun. Was really, that was really nice i but i felt a little guilty because i wish my <laughs> wife was there i wish my wife yeah experienced yeah that. so so hopefully he still gambles and so by the time my wife and i get back around there i'll try and ask again see if we get yay <laughs> one more time one more time Anyways, uh, uh, Doreen, yes, uh, we are connected here um, in unexpected fashion, um, not for you, but definitely for me. But uh, let me ask you the let me ask you the ridiculous question: Where are you from? 
I am from everywhere I've ever been. That's a um, lot of places. I am a big believer that um, where is a geolocational experience that um, not only our physical bodies, but also our mental bodies and our soul, as it were, the invisible side of us, can actually experience and benefit from. And so I believe that I have, I hope that I have done a good job of taking on a piece of every culture and every country I have ever lived in, in order to influence and um, provide insight in my life and to now other people through podcasting, as you know. But um, I believe that when we're conscious and we decide to consciously let me take this piece of you and this place with me that we can build those bridges between ourselves and others and between cultures between countries between corporations and every uh, phase of connectivity yeah well i can't disagree with that of course i'm writing a book about my experiences <laughs> and exactly that I can, I'll steal your words for a moment. Definitely the pieces of people and the relationships that I've, I've made all over the world and, and what they've done for me has helped me build bridges easily with other people at my next location. And, and you can even see uh, maybe, maybe if I move my camera around a little bit to, 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 uh-huh. to, uh, Oh, the refrigerator. You're going to see a a Christmas tree on the top of the refrigerator. You see yes, that? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So I had a student who thought it would be a good idea to buy her teacher a Christmas tree. Nice. And she, does, she doesn't understand how important that kind of gift yes. is for somebody who yes. has yes. lived in eight countries. Like she had no idea yeah. that this is Christmas yeah. tree. Will, yes. I will figure out a way to get that Christmas tree home um so that yeah. i can bring the relationship that i have with her and other students back with me yes. back and yeah. so um i completely understand of course being a tck so <laughs> you've been an expat and and can you give me a short rundown sure sure <laughs> a um, short rundown i i can give it to you in two minutes um i I am a native Scot. I am from Scotland, and I'm not going to drop into my Scottish accent, but I do oh, have my. one. And um, But I went into the Foreign and Commonwealth Office almost straight out of university, and that took me to London, and then Cameroon, West Africa, and then back to London, where I jumped ship to uh, corporate America in Dubai. I uh, met and married a fellow in Dubai and moved to the U.S. and lived in the U.S. for about 12 years, met my new husband, gave birth to um, a daughter, and then interviewed to go back overseas again to live in the Middle East again. And uh, we ended up living in L.A., in Yokohama in Japan, and then in Saudi Arabia for 15 years, uh, from where we 
went back to the U.S. and I, my one of my most fun overseas assignments was in Texas, Houston, mm -hmm. Texas. And um, it was fun for many reasons. But um, after that, we sought to settle as repatriated people in um, Denver, Colorado, which was one of my husband's homes while he was a TCK. Mm. Um, but we discovered we don't fit. Uh, we don't want to fit. There is a greater sense of comfort, consolation, and um, communication we find with uh, people outside of of the U.S. system. And so we are now um, repatriated, but living in Mexico, which I think will really probably be our final home base and destination. Mm -hmm. Nice. So you you mentioned marrying a TCK. <laughs> uh, where did he grow up? My husband was, um, he was the son of a TCK, first of all. So oh, my wow. mother-in-law, can we go back to that generation? Is that okay? Sure. She was, yeah. my, my mother-in-law was the daughter of a, a colonial, a British colonial um, military officer. She was English, but born in Ireland and then lived in Egypt, Malta, Hong Kong, and other places around the globe all of her life. Wow. Um, she married an American and was pregnant with my husband as she took the boat over after the Second World War. She mm. was a war bride, and um, my husband was born in the U.S., but he is actually the product of a bicultural relationship. Mm -hmm. And then um, they, his dad was still in the military, so they traveled all around the U.S. and to Japan. They went to Japan with six children, and they returned with eight children to the U.S., and then they settled in the U.S. after that, except my husband went overseas to Germany and then traveled with me to Japan and Saudi Arabia. So he really, he really exemplifies the TCK experience from that generation. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. And of course, you guys have children. Yes, we have one daughter who was born in Germany, my stepdaughter, and lives in um, the in Denver. And our other daughter was born in California, but grew up in Japan and Saudi Arabia, mostly. Got it. So that makes her, what, fourth? I've lost track. She's third. She's third, probably third generation. Grandma, third generation. dad, and her. Yeah, she's third right. generation. Third TCK. generation. TCK. I think there's something going on here with generations and TCKs right now that that is coming is bubbling up to the surface, don't you? <laughs> Explain. Uh, I I just not sure exactly what you mean. Okay, um, I feel like we have TCKs from the younger who are younger than me, and some younger than you too, who are definitely vocalizing. Um, articulating and talking about 
the dark side and the challenges and the the whole zeitgeist of being a TCK. Yes. And that didn't necessarily happen in no. my husband's generation. Right. So there's generational um, communication going on around the subject of TCKs. 100%. I have connected with quite a few of the people in and around some of the TCK training, TCK coaching arena, mm -hmm. and the research that's being done on children of growing up abroad and in the circumstances that they're in. And so there's, there's quite a bit of more research, of course, uh, having been done in this regard. Yes. Of course, I had uh, Dr. Ruth Van Rinken on, her and others, you know, have, have yes. pushed the envelope yes. in, in many regards on, on a lot of that research. So there's, there's a bit of connection from one generation to the next, hers to mine, or, and we're discovering quite a bit. And it's an interesting conversation, sometimes uncomfortable to have with my parents, uh, for instance, because I don't really want my parents to feel that the burden yes not, yes. At, not at this not at this stage in their life there's no point right, in that right you know um yes they yeah. do they do listen to my podcast so <laughs> uh, sometimes um that makes them think or gives them pause but they should understand that there was absolutely no resources around them there was no awareness yeah. that, that they needed to have at the time there was no support and no science for them at that point mm. yeah yeah indeed I've interviewed um, Gen Z, in fact, as well, mm -hmm. and they're extremely aware. They're very, yes, very aware of all the the intricacies and the pitfalls and and the things going on around them. In regards to and, their, and I think this is this is a choice though, because um, with my daughter, my understanding is you know that she has. Um, she has done a lot of it, personal exploration on her own that I just have to give her amazing credit for. Um, but she is really consciously creating and building a life in the U.S. She's done tons of travel as a young person after her TCK experience. Uh -huh. And I can see some of the TCK um, traits inside her. But that is not where she is focusing at all. And I think that there is, there is a community that is very interested and um, very, very focused on, on finding the patterns. And then there are some people who just go, you know, this is life. And they give it some grace and they go, yeah, it wasn't always easy. Sometimes it was really crappy. Mm -hmm. um, and then, but they do the best with what they have with their resources and their mm -hmm. intelligence and their cultural intuition. And so I think that for there are a lot of TCKs out there who may not know their TCKs yet, but they mm -hmm. do have a cultural intuition and they have intuition that crosses borders, communication, you know, conversations, and they just have a sort of an, an extra superpower is the way I like to think about it. Right. Yes, indeed. That's how it's often described as a superpower um, that has some super flaws. 
Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, Superpowers come with super bad. <laughs> right. So the crypt, the kryptonite for me, <laughs> and I talk about it in my book. So when I ended up in alcohol rehab, for instance, I was not diagnosed with alcoholism, fascinatingly enough. And this is a good example of not being aware of attributes mm. of being a TCK, because when I mm -hmm. came out of rehab, it was supposed to be a 28 day program. And I came out at 10, they were satisfied. I had written my own program of rehabilitation and they're like, yeah, Mike, just hang out in beautiful road of Spain for 18 more days. And the reason why I was able to write the prescription for my life was because I recognized that I had really thin boundaries and that's how I described it at the time. Mm -hmm. not realizing mm -hmm. that actually it was just this chameleon desire mm -hmm. to fit in. And so mm -hmm. in a Navy environment with people mm -hmm. around me that were, you know, obsessed with consuming large amounts of alcohol on a regular basis around me, I wanted to fit in. This is sure. very, very simple, yeah. simple yes. thing. I, yeah. Yeah. I wanted to fit in desperately. And yes. that was my problem. And so yes. my diagnosis was very simple. It was stay away from heavy uh -huh. drinkers yeah, because you know you have trouble saying no. And yes. so um, this is fascinating to me that I'm yes. writing a book right now and discovering that, hey, Mike, actually, this, this has to do with your chameleon nature that came with, came with the territory, so... I actually, um, I'm writing a book too that'll come out next year. It's called Sequel, and it's on the subject of um, repatriation. It's how to move home after living overseas. It's yeah. giving up the specialness. And there's this balance between standing out and fitting in. And I think it's like a teeter-totter. I describe it in the book as, as, as like a, a it's, it's like you're, it's it's maintaining that balance. And interestingly enough, the word that came up for me in 2024 was balance, balance yeah. in all things <laughs> in my life. And um, nice. I have had a lot to say on the subject of um, using travel as a tool for transformation. Mm -hmm. But I have never I have not effectively articulated it over the decades until now that I have a podcast and I can grill people on the subject. Right. <laughs> like you do. 100%. 100%. And so I find that many of those conversations come back to how do we find that balance? How, how do we, how do you achieve your brilliance and be who you believe you are destined to be with all of your gifts and your skills? Mm -hmm. And at the same time, have all these feelings about, oh, I really want to be like everybody else. And I really want them to love me because I'm a big people pleaser. Right. Oh, I really want them to love me. And That's I want right. to fit in. And I want to belong. That's right. And I, it's taken me all these decades to understand that I do not need to belong. And I do not really want to belong to many categories. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's been a privilege to bring you guys on to the podcast. And I say you guys, because uh, a lot of seasoned coaches like yourself, people who are, are involved in, in helping others 
deal mm-hmm. with being expatriates, uh, being TCKs and different things. So just things that you're saying, Megan Norton has said, um, yes. Dr. Ra- Dr. Rachel Cation has said, you know, they're, they're, they're all, they're all, it's really all together. It's, it's, yes. so I, I really have been, I've benefited personally just having all of you guys on the podcast, uh, and having read, uh, a lot of the material that's you guys yes. are presenting. So we'll be looking forward uh, to your book coming out. Can you talk a little bit about repatriation real quick? So you said it was kind of gory and awful at times. Um, I repatriated from uh, Cameroon, West Africa, back to London uh, in my 20s. <laughs> and um, I was 20, was 25, something like that. And I was, um, it was messy it was ugly. It was unprecedented. Um, I came home full of expectations. I came home full of um, ideas, and life had shifted dramatically. Now, this is in the um, the mid to late seventies in London, mm-hmm. and my life had changed so much. People had moved on. They were not waiting for me to come home. They were mm-hmm. not particularly interested in what had happened to me and all my adventures in Africa. Mm. Um, and it was just mm. ugly. So fast forward to like 30 years later when I'm returning from Saudi Arabia, I was very aware that moving back to the States, which I was now claiming and I was identifying and I was making myself belong to the U.S. because I had a mm-hmm. U.S. husband. Primarily, he was U.S.-based by this point. He was U.S.-based, and now I had a U.S. passport, and um, I was going to claim the U.S. as home. Mm-hmm. But moving back home to the U.S., I was prepared. I was armed. I was doing, like, every self-improvement thing you could think of. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was doing massive amounts of uh, self-care. I was you know, visioning, um, and it was still really tough. And no matter how much you prepare, uh, it can be a really rugged and rigid journey. However, having said that, um, it was one of the most creative, productive, uh, confidence-building experiences of my life that I am so grateful for and would never give back. Mm. Well, it's good to hear. My wife wants to move. <laughs> now, my wife wants... experience, but, <laughs> but it can be. And that's my message in the book. You know, oh. it's um, moving home is difficult. But if you're aware of all the subterranean, because it's very invisible, none of this is visible. If you're aware of the subterranean um, impulses that are going on in your brain and your mind and your thinking um, and in more importantly, in the brains and the minds of the people that you are seeking to relate to, then mm. you have to realize that you have to completely uh, dial in a different kind of relationship, a different type of relationship on a different level. Do you mean, so in terms of relationships, do you mean with people around you specifically? I mean with, I mean with friends, people who were friends prior to moving okay. overseas. Got it. Okay. I mean, family. Um, I I would love to see a book written if there's somebody out there listening to this right now. 
I would love to see a book written on um, how to heal and love yourself through estrangement because so many families become estranged after people have moved overseas and come back. Mm -hmm. You know, they just never quite find their balance. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, that's the, those are the, the big things. Yeah. Yeah. Those would, they sound big. <laughs> it's kind of scaring me a little bit because <laughs> I guess. That's healthy. And, that's yeah. really healthy. Yeah, really. That's what I said. All these conversations, these books that are being thrown yeah, at yeah. me uh, because of having a <laughs> podcast now and I'm bringing all yeah. the right people on here. Cause yeah, this is such a good conversation. <laughs> I think I, I think uh, be, be afraid is uh, actually the title of uh, part of my uh, one of my uh, sections or one of the pieces in the book because it's healthy to look out for that and I was very lucky because I reinstated my coaching certifications when I came back mm -hmm. and that of course is very aspirational and it's work and i was really working on myself but i had not just the goal of reassimilation and repatriation into this place called, i was now calling home but i also had this professional reason for doing it and that mm -hmm. gave me like added motivation mm -hmm. and yeah. it really helped in the healing of the re because i believe it is a recovery process michael yeah it is just like your recovery process yeah we'll see i mean i i don't know actually when that process is going to start it might start as early as july of next year for me uh -huh. It depends. It, economics and opportunity yes. largely pl play a part in that. What opportunities I find. My dream is to just be back home with my wife and kids in the Philippines. Yes. But but we don't. There's going to be a very unlikely opportunity for income to arrive in that if that yeah. happens. So yeah. I'm prepared to repatriate back to the United States. Yes. If it means yes. achieving the goals that our, our family has. And of course, I just right. got off the phone right before you came on. I just got off the phone with, you know, the immigration lawyer, the company that uh -huh. is going to be doing my wife and my daughter's paperwork to get good. them back into the United States. So uh -huh. really, this, is it good news? it's very tangible because I just paid money, right? I just oh, got the credit good. card number out yes. and, and gave yes. it to somebody and said, yes, we are committed yes. to this process because my wife wants to experience the United States. And so it's important to me because it's important to my wife. And even though the United States scares me, I, I need to figure out how to make peace with that idea. And, and also, I think that um, <laughs> somewhere I wrote um, repatriation or living overseas should come with a warning label. <laughs> because once you've lived overseas, 
your life will never be the same again, particularly mm-hmm. if you consciously take on um, intercultural intelligence and sensibility mm-hmm. and languages and relationships. Mm-hmm. And that's what our life really is consisting of. So, you know, I think that your wife may have this wonderful aspiration about the way it is, but she has a different picture than you do. And having mm-hmm. con- long conversations about how to um, how to manage that balance between mm-hmm. the way you feel and the way she feels is going to be really part of your repatriation process. Right. That is so true. <laughs> and... Um, I'm happy to help. I'll send you a copy of the book yeah. and you can be a beta reader. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Oh, yeah. And you can say, Doreen, how, what does this mean? Is this, this is rubbish. No, <laughs> what do you mean by this? Oh yeah. I, I would absolutely love that, Doreen. Actually, I would absolutely love that. Um, cause I have to ask for beta readers, um, as well soon. And that will be an interesting, that's going to be an interesting process for me. I don't really, I mean, I, I don't have a life in the United States. I had a life in the United States Navy. So that's my American experience. So thankfully for me, but I want my work, whatever I end up doing to be involved in an intercultural sphere in the United States, that would be, Mm -hmm. that's, that's what I'm hoping is that I'm doing something with the skills that I do have in the United States. And I'm not forced into a corner and dealing with people who look, no offense to people who look a lot like me and sound a lot yes, like me. Yes, yes. So, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm not comfortable yes. anymore in a place like that. So, so <laughs> one of the things would be, um, number one, really picking the place that you're going to go. Yeah. That is going to be a very, very critical for you. Yes. To be selecting of that place and be very conscious of the selection of the place you're choosing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, I would, you know, of course, weather and, uh, environment plays a huge part mm-hmm. and a much bigger part than we ever give it credit for. I agree um, with you. So having conversations about that is really critical. Yes. Um, also, I, and take it from somebody who moved from oh. Saudi Arabia, 110 degrees in the summer or 19, 119 degrees, some, one day mm-hmm. or two days yep. in the summer to Bellingham, Washington, where it rained for the first six months I was there. I mean, like 99% of the time. Oh, and wow. that was too big a stretch for my physical entity to be well-nurtured and confident and established in. I mean, mm. the, really, the, physi- the physicality of that was, was brutal. So mm. you must, it's really important to take that into consideration. And those are two of the things that I tell people who are prepping to go. No, that's, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, it never ceases to amaze me how these, these, discussions could turn out to be so valuable (laughs) (laughs) well i didn't mean to coach i was just just telling you that's in the book that's a preview (laughs) no we this though this is much this is much better this is much much better um do you have any thoughts i have a 15 year old daughter who has if we do repatriate we have to make decisions about 
what we do with her. My son's a little younger. I mean, he's 12, but he's, uh, we, we've got give or take some years. Uh, we've, we've got some decisions to make. Do you have any, any thoughts about that? My kids grew well, up in the Philippines their whole life. Yes. So tell me about who your kids are, first of all. Tell me about them. Are they are they uh, the product of a cross-cultural marriage? Or I think you have one or a couple that are so, your kids and her kids, right? Right. So my two older sons are well-established in the Philippines. They would uh-huh. be moving on their own accord to the United States if they found economic reason to do so. My okay. daughter's my daughter's 15. She doesn't know her father because he died uh, when she was one. And then okay. my son, my son is my biological son. He's 12. He's oh, the okay. youngest. So they're, okay. so my daughter and my yeah. son have basically lived their whole life with me as their father. Right. Okay. Um, well, and yes, bicultural. Think, yes. <laughs> I think that you, I think I would have lots of conversations with them about, um, how they feel about who they are right now and and maybe talk to them about when you get to america um you may people are are different and i would talk to them about preparing themselves um to be challenged but knowing that they're loved through the process at the same Mm -hmm. time and i would ask them what would they love out of their experience of living in america how would they like it to look to look and i mean they might come up with some fantasy thing and you're going to have to go well you know let's let's see what's possible here Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that asking them what would they love, how how do they want their U.S. experience to feel, mm-hmm. um, what is what is uppermost in their little minds, and they are also going through huge transitions as teenagers right now. That's right. Yep. So their identity, their sense of belonging, mm-hmm. is already um, up for question. Mm-hmm. So right. uh, I I would just say the more time you talk to them and you spend with them and the more reassurances that you give them, and maybe there's lots of cross-cultural books coming out now, maybe for younger children, but I wouldn't hesitate having teenagers use uh, read them mm-hmm. um, because some of those co- cross-cultural literature really helps even adults i think it helps ease our souls mm-hmm. into the process because this is a cellular thing for your kids too that's right yeah 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 it's something to really think about thank you i hope does that help yeah of course <laughs> very yeah, of big course. but <laughs> no i i mean it it's Sorry. tangible in my mind i mean because i know our time frame i know yeah we really do need some time together, I think, before they move. And so I, I really have to be yes. thoughtful about that. Or yes. uh, possibly we transition to a, a different country entirely. Um, but yeah. it has to be a country where my wife can have business and feel useful. So yes. we ha- yeah. that is the requirement. It doesn't have to be the United States necessarily, but it would mm-hmm. have to be a country probably like Singapore for instance, um, where there's a huge Filipino community already. So, 
Well, Michael, you know, my, on listening to you, my first thought is um, I have a whole chunk in my book about visioning. And, you know, visioning sometimes is put down as this woo-woo, uh, indecisive, kind of pie-in-the-sky stuff. Mm-hmm. I believe that visioning is a very hard skill and that when we get really, really good at it and we get really, really good at tuning in a vision, mm-hmm. um, it changes uh, our lives, our circumstances and the directions vastly. So I would say even talking to your kids now about building vi- their own visions mm-hmm. and then eventually you all putting your visions together that that would be the family, uh, you know, a, a way to drive your family forward. And then you can always, on every decision, mm-hmm. you can refer back to the vision. And you say, if you've got big decisions coming up, you say, yeah. okay, how does this match our vision? And if it does, you go with it. If it doesn't, you have a little conversation, and then you make your make another decision. Um, yeah. But vi- but having it written down and sensorize it, put in, I want to smell, I want to hear, I want to see, I want to feel, and, and have those senses built into it so that it is really visceral. And that makes such a difference to kids. Yeah. Especially TCKs. Well, we're on our journey for sure. Like you said, <laughs> like committed money <laughs> and a contract. <laughs> It's well done. Well done, yeah, you. So we well done, you. Get get these folks, um, you know, passports that are that will enable them to be mobile and to give them opportunities yes. uh, for sure. Whatever they decide, uh, yes. whether it means yes. to stay in the Philippines, that's fine. Uh, whether it means that they can see the world uh, like their father has, um, yeah. that would be fine too. So, yeah, but you're right. They really need to imagine that for themselves. And it's lovely you're giving them that door that they Mm -hmm. can choose to walk through or not. You're giving them possibilities. You're giving your children options. You are um, doing your very best to juggle a lot. And you Mm -hmm. have given up so much in terms of the time and the energy spent with them by living away from them. Who knows what the future holds there are, are plenty of ideas out there about destiny or roads traveled or things were meant to be. But one thing that I could say is that my time in Turkey, my job and, and having experienced this country in some manner has been good. But what has been even better has been my discovery of your community or our community, I should say. Of course, I yeah. am an expat. Yeah. And and being able to explore that through a podcast. And so that yes. has helped me on my journey on so many yes. levels. And, and yeah, as you could see, you turn into a coach during this episode. Um, <laughs> you know, it's because <laughs> it's just, there's some sincerity in it in the sense that suddenly I have questions, <laughs> you know, suddenly yeah. I'm well, like, hey, wait a second, I'm not going to waste this time. This is one more time with Doreen that isn't, <laughs> Costing me any money. <laughs> so, there you go. Yet. <laughs> and, and also, um, I think this goes to speak to the heart of global hearted connection. And mm-hmm. as a fellow podcaster, yes. it, it's fascinating for, fascinating for me to be on the other side of the microphone because um, 
uh, one of the things as as TCKs is that we all have in common is that you know this incessant curiosity, yeah. this incessant curiosity. Well, for me, it's insatiable. Mm-hmm. Um, I always want to know things. I'm the right. person at the party that's asking like twenty questions in a row, and yep. <laughs> uh, which is overwhelming for most people. But um, I think mm-hmm. to really dig into what is the transformation that the travel has de- is delivering for you? You've mm-hmm. seen the world. Your kids yep. are hopefully going to see the world. Right. But as humans, what is the ultimate transformation? How how can we be assisting, you know, Russians to chat to their um, their Ukrainian neighbors and Palestinians right. to chat to their Israeli and neighbors and mm-hmm. And what is the conversations that we all as individuals need to be having with each other at a really gritty level? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. I... And, and so I feel like um, what you and I do on a daily basis with our podcasts is actually we're building part of the web for that. You know, mm-hmm. it's not the internet web; it's the uh, global heartedness web. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I agree with you. It's the backdrop of my book. It's the. It's in the copy, every copy I've ever written for this podcast for the book. It's exactly what it is. So you're yeah, saying exactly yeah. the same thing that we yeah. have a chance to move people in a direction that, that creates peace um, and understanding yeah. uh, for sure in a global world that's polarized on so many levels yeah. and uh, yeah. destructively polarized. So And unnecessarily polarized, I think, yeah. sometimes. For sure. <laughs> yes. Well, Doreen, um, I wasn't expecting you tonight. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> but uh i think i think uh i think you may have a- i don't know i mean you're you're a podcaster you you kind of probably have your good ones and your your bad ones but this has been a good one for me this has been a a, a real treat uh for me to get coached on an a, a potential uh expatriate or sorry repatriating affair uh that is in motion as of three minutes I'm trying to get off a call so I could get you on. You oh, know, good. Like, hey, uh, yeah, we could fix oh, this uh, account problem later. I need to talk to somebody oh. on the podcast. Well, so. um, I would just like to, I, there's, you know, a famous quote that I just like to, to leave. Um, Please. Um, and that is, you know, the world hates change. It's the only thing that has brought about progress. And culture does not change because we desire it to change. It changes when the organization or the person is transformed. So my wish, uh, as we just both expressed, I think, is that um, that through the act of travel, but through beyond that, through the act of living overseas... May we find peace 
and bring about the change that is necessary to create more progress.